you know, I'm a, I'm a doctor, you know, I have all these letters after my name and I teach all these students and I have all this stuff. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's the most proud I've ever been of anything. And I'm not special. If I can do it, absolutely anybody can do it. If you can get through pharmacy school, you can do this. The, the thing is, is you got to lean on that resilience that you know you have because it's more important than anything else you will ever, ever do in your life because you, you are worth it. I see my victory so clear. I see my victory so clear. It's a day we break through. It's a day we break through. It's a day we break through. It's a day. What is up, Fit Farm fam? Welcome to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast, where we empower you to make a breakthrough and dispense your full potential. My name is Dr. Adam Martin, and I'm your host for the podcast. I've been a practicing full-time community pharmacist since I graduated pharmacy school back in 2012. I'm also a professional speaker, author, and lover of living life to the fullest. The Fit Pharmacist community exists to serve you to dispense your full potential by learning from our world-class guests on how to practically apply simple solutions to not only elevate your pharmacy career, but nail your nutrition, master your mindset, and fit fitness into pharmacy through simple solutions to guide you to live a fulfilled life with passion and purpose. Thank you for being here. Now let's dive into this week's new episode. When you think of a pharmacist, what types of characteristics make us special? It's probably the type A, perfectionist, get things done, make a list, A, B, C, dot your I's and cross your T's, right? And while these characteristics may help you thrive in the majority of situations, they actually also put you at risk for something that is not talked about but is fairly common in the profession of pharmacy. As a certified nutrition consultant, I see this a lot, not only with pharmacists, but pharmacy students, more than you might think. And the topic that we're going to talk about today is that of eating disorders. And I am really, really excited to bring to the podcast someone who has shared her story in a previous feature on Fit Pharmacist Friday. So moved by her own healing and progress that she's gotten involved in an organization to help others heal through their eating disorders. And that's why I'm so excited to introduce to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast, Dr. Katie Taylor, who has 20 years of experience in the strategy business consulting industry for pharmaceutical, biotechnology, and medical device clients, coupled with over 13 years clinical experience as a critical care and cardiology inpatient clinical pharmacist. She still practices as a per diem clinical pharmacist at Maine Medical Center. Dr. Taylor is currently adjunct faculty at both Husson University and Worcester State University, teaching medical terminology and drugs and society, respectively. She also serves as an experiential education preceptor for Massachusetts College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences, Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences, University of New England, and Western New England University. Dr. Taylor is a board-certified pharmacotherapy specialist since 2015 and holds a pain management certificate from NYSCHP. She received her Bachelor of Science with distinction 
from Worcester Polytechnic Institute in Biotechnology with a management concentration and earned a Doctor of Pharmacy via the accredited option at Albany College of Pharmacy, graduating summa cum laude and being named to the Rokai Honor Society. So this girl is quite the slouch. <laughs> <laughs> but it's my great pleasure to introduce to you all Dr. Katie Taylor. Dr. Taylor, welcome to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. Thank you, Adam. I'm so glad to be here and thank you for this opportunity. It is really, really awesome. And uh, I just want to acknowledge you for being so honest and open. Like I told you whenever I first read your story that you submitted for the Fit Pharmacist Friday feature, I was really impressed because I've been doing this for almost four years, every single Friday for that time, featuring pharmacists and pharmacy students that have really taken a step to embody fitness, whether that's mental fitness, physical fitness, however they define it. And every now and then I get someone that really goes deep and shares some real vulnerable things in their personal journey. And you were one of those people. And I was like, wow. And in talking with you through email and through Instagram and how we do, and here we are doing a podcast together, I was really moved by your passion and, and your journey through what you shared. So I would like to invite you for those who haven't read it to kind of give us a rundown for your story and what this whole podcast topic is about. Well, thank you, Adam. It's a long story, so I'll try to be brief, but I have suffered from and recovered from an eating disorder, anorexia nervosa with a binge subtype as well as compulsive exercise. And through recovery, those things tend to move to other eating disorders like binge eating disorder, et cetera. So I've kind of had the gambit and um, the, the voice was always there uh, my entire life. And I think a lot of that is tied with our personality. Like you said, type A, perfectionist, rule following, didn't want to make mistakes. Sounds like a good pharmacist, doesn't it? Um, and eventually, um, was heavy growing up, got on my first diet. And when food became restrictive, um, that's when it became more of a focus. And then through many years, it just becomes more insidious and more insidious and it, you restrict by bites. Um, and then when you can't restrict any farther, then your exercise comes up and then you become exercise more and more and more and heavier and more and more. And eventually you find yourself in the spiral of a mental illness. And that's what it is. Eating disorders are a mental illness and they are the second highest mortality of any mental illness, only second to opioid use disorder. Wow. Uh, and a lot of people don't realize that um, 10% of anorexics um, will die. Wow. So one in 10. Um, the other is that one in 10 Americans have an eating disorder. So this is rampant in our society and we don't talk about it. Um, and I was in denial myself with it. I was so obsessed and involved in food and body. Um, nothing else mattered. Um, and this really manifested for me when I, there was a period of stress in my life. So they say with mental health disorders that genetics loads the gun and situation pulls the trigger. And my trigger got pulled and I focused on food and body. And as I looked fitter and stronger and ate cleaner and all of these things, I was sicker and sicker and sicker until physical manifestations really started to, you know, present themselves. And I'm a healthcare practitioner. You know, I work in the ICU. Like I know sick, I know the things, but it becomes bigger than our training. It's, it's so all consuming. And if you almost think about, it's almost an addiction. Um, if you think about it that way, the same neurotransmitters are involved for sure. And then very, very slowly, 
I realized how I was living was wrong. I was miserable. I was in anguish mentally and very slowly started to tiptoe back my way towards recovery. And just like you slide into the disorder bites at a time, you recover bites at a time. Tiny, tiny little increments. Um, you, I threw stuff at a wall and eventually something stuck, but it took a very long time to recover. And as I mentioned in the blog piece, and part of that was finding heavy weightlifting because it came about my, not my aesthetics of my body, but the functionality of my body and food became fuel and it gave me permission to eat, to do something that I really loved. So long, long, long period of time and I fully recovered. Um, so I've been in you know, full recovery for over two years and counting. I have no behaviors anymore, but there's still thoughts. Um, for sure, there always will be whispers, but now I know how to cope with them. And that's the tricky part is there's no drugs for anorexia. There's no magic bullet. It's just you have to find what works for you, but you have to get help. It's, it's too severe not to. Wow. So you are one strong woman. And <laughs> yeah, to, to share that, just like I can hear how genuine that is. And that, that's mm -hmm. your story. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing that because... I've come across a lot of people, uh, pharmacy students, pharmacists, and people in all healthcare professions throughout my career uh, for people that they, they feel scared uh, to share that. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the issues is stigma and feeling like you're broken or you need fixed or things like that that prevent people uh, from talking about it and from getting help. And uh, I actually just got back yesterday from a speaking tour in Ireland um, on this, not specifically eating disorders, but specifically on mental health. Mm -hmm. And in Ireland, there's a huge stigma on mental health because it's, it's not talked about and it's, there, there's not very good service. So the, the Irish tell me when I was over there that there is uh, about a three-year lag from health advancements than there are in other, other areas in the world, like the United States. Mm -hmm. So the, here's the status of the mental health uh, healthcare in Ireland. Let's say that you have a breakdown and you have like suicidal thoughts and you go to get help. There is a six to eight week waiting period. If you go and have a crisis and go and seek help, you have to wait six to eight weeks. So wow. a lot of people don't want to talk about it because... Mm -hmm. There's like, well, what's the point? Uh, there's not help. So there's, uh, there's, uh, that's why I went. Was it was something that was, there's stigma. People aren't talking about it. Um, in Ireland, there's three schools of pharmacy, and they all got together for this symposium. I was honored to fly over there and be a part of this. And uh, that was the main focus is stigma because no one talks about it. There isn't much support on it. And that was the first time that there was a cohesion in healthcare. So mainly pharmacists, but there were psychiatrists there talking about this. It was a full day event and it was really about breaking down the stigma and people sharing their story and the amount of emotion, the amount of people feeling like they were free to seek help because organizations have been formed to bridge that six to eight week gap uh, was truly astounding. And uh, that's why I was really excited to have this podcast with you because, and, and we've discussed this prior, is a lot of times I found that when people share their story, it gives other people permission. It's, it's like saying it's okay not to be okay. And when you talk about it, that allows you to start that healing process. Uh, and, and I think that's a huge thing with, with stigma. So I just wanted to kind of open the box to you and ask, you know, if someone's listening to this podcast or watching this on YouTube, 
and they either have a reflection on themselves and feel like, hey, I think I might have be struggling with this, or they have a close friend that they've noticed behaviors and they start to get concerned. What do you think is a great first step for someone that's facing that themselves, or they have someone in their family or close friend circle uh, that they believe has an eating disorder? What, what do you suggest as a first step for that? Well, I think you hit it right on the head with stigma, um, especially in our society where, you know, the images that we're bombarded with all the time are of these perfect bodies and this perfect health and the perfect acai bowl that we post on Instagram and all these different things. So that we're bombarded by images all of the time. And we're always thinking we're not good enough. And that's part of the, what's part of the, you know, the thing that's underlying eating disorders is that low self-esteem that we get. And a lot of that comes from our society of our upbringing, other such of things. So it's very, very difficult. We also have to remember that eating disorders are a spectrum. Like anorexia nervosa is on one side where people tend to be very underweight. They don't have to be, but they tend to be, you know, people with bulimia nervosa tend to be, tend to be normal size weight or, you know, don't appear anyway. And then binge eating disorder tend to be a little overweight, but the way someone looks has no indicator if they have an eating disorder or not. Weight, they've actually taken the diagnostic criteria out of the DSM-5. So weight and BMI is no longer a diagnostic criteria. So really we have to look at behaviors. And it's very, very tricky. When I was in the throes of my eating disorder, one friend got in my face and said, do you think that this is too much, this is too obsessive? And I was offended because I'm so fit and I'm so good and I'm so righteous and I'm better than you because I eat perfect and all these different things. It's very, very tricky. My advice to approach someone else is really do it from love. You know, I'm concerned about you. You don't seem happy. You seem to be spending a lot of time on, you know, food and body instead of friends or other things that you used to do that you enjoyed. You know, um, are you? Are you happy? Are you upset? And just start to open the dialogue because if you are aggressive, they will go back into their shell. Eating disorders thrive in secrecy. Yes. So keeping them secret and keep them to yourself is is how that monster continues to live. Um, If you think you have a tendency and we're smart people, we know, um, we will talk ourselves out of it. You just have to be really, really honest with yourself. If you need to be super clinical about it, go to the DSM-5 and diagnose yourself. You know, that is something to do, but really look at yourself and is this causing mental anguish? Like the definition of an addiction is continued use despite harm. Are these behaviors that you're continuing to do harming you? Um, They can be as far as getting things like amenorrhea. They can have stress fractures. Um, Sleep was a big thing with me. My cortisol was so high. I had terrible insomnia. Your body will whisper to you, then it will speak, and then it will scream. So really, if you think that you have a problem yourself, if you're so fixated on what you eat, if you're weighing and measuring, if you call foods good and bad, if you're having episodes of binges where you're taking in huge amounts despite being full, doing it in secret, standing up, eating fast, all of these behaviors, um, along with the mental anguish or indicators that something's not right with you. And I would encourage you to talk to someone to, even if it's a friend, to get help before it slides into something more serious. Because the, the quicker you can start to mitigate that, the easier that your recovery back will be. And this can be something that can 
plague you your entire life and it can also shorten your life. So it's really of that severity. I mean, these things are more common than HIV, than breast cancer. That's how common eating disorders are. And they're hidden within our society because that's how they survive. So by being open and talking about it and being vulnerable and even saying like, if you know somebody who you think is struggling a little bit to say like, Hey, you know, sometimes I too get a little too obsessive about this or that, but you take a breath and you come back as sharing, you open that vulnerability. Someone may talk to you. If I could share a quick anecdote. Um, I teach undergraduates. I teach drugs in society. So we talk a lot about addiction and stigma and I now divulge that I am recovered from an eating disorder because there is a great overlap between substance abuse and eating disorders. 50% of people with eating disorders will have a substance abuse problem. And I just shared in my class, I have this issue. I have gotten over it, whatever. And one of my students came up to me after class and said, you had an eating disorder? And I said, yes. She said, how do I get rid of it? Burst into tears. Wow. I was the first person she ever told. Wow. Because I let her know she wasn't alone. Exactly. And that's why I'm so honored that you are sharing this on the podcast. Uh, just the article, like when you did your story, mm-hmm. the response you got, like I asked you, like, I, I'm guessing that the <laughs> response you got from that was more than you expected. And you said it was overwhelming and humbling and unbelievable. And there was a lot of people in my network who didn't know or who had no idea it was what it was, including my own parents. Wow. You know, didn't know quite the extent. So it was really empowering um, to be able to do that. And I feel like I now have a voice um, where that voice was really, really hidden for a long, long time. Absolutely. And yeah, that, it's so empowering. And I think the advice you gave was great. But I, I think the main reason that in, in our profession of pharmacists and pharmacy students, that people don't seek help or they suppress it. And over time, it just grows in strength is the fear of being weak or being seen as weak or feeling weak because you feel like admitting that you have a problem or feeling Mm -hmm. like you're broken or or those types of emotions. But in reality, and if you're listening to this and that resonates with you and you realize or you know and you've just ignored the fact that you do have an eating disorder or you feel like you do, I want to tell you something. Seeking help from a qualified professional actually makes you stronger because that's how you grow. That's how you overcome and build strength. It's not sweeping things under the rug. It's saying, hey, this is an area where I really need help with. And asking for help is actually one of the strongest things you can do and something that I feel that pharmacy students in particular are very apt not to do. So in the book I just wrote that I've been working uh, on for over four years, uh, Gen Z Pharmacist, How to Dominate Pharmacy School and Script Your Dream Career, I actually dedicated an entire chapter to this concept, and it's titled Ask for Help PRN. Because as a pharmacy student, um, and when I graduated in 2012, and, and my main niche are pharmacy students and newly licensed pharmacists and helping them to transition, I noticed a lot of them have struggles that they feel like they're ashamed to tell and ashamed to get help for. Because just like we talked about in the beginning of this podcast episode, there's a lot of comparison. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of 
I, I don't want to per- be perceived as weak or I don't want to be perceived as a failure or my other classmates are thriving and I don't want to be left behind. Uh, first off, no, <laughs> no, everyone has something going on. Everyone. So if they're, they have this image, this persona that they've got it all together, it, the more that it seems that way, generally the bigger the issue that they're hiding because everyone has a struggle they're going through. It comes in different forms. It comes in different severities. It comes in different areas of life, but everybody has something that they're struggling with. It's just that some people don't talk about it. Some people prefer to hide it. That is what varies. So know that if you're comparing yourself, thinking that you're you know, weak or you have a problem that no one else has, that is not true, number one. So comparison is false. Comparison is the thief of joy. So know that if that's the reason you're not seeking help or talking about this with a qualified professional, that's false. Number two is if you seek help, it actually makes you stronger. Because if you have something that is holding you back or something that you're struggling with and you don't address it, it will not go away. Ignoring your problems does not go away. Running from your problems does not make them disappear. It will only grow with time. Time, when it comes to problems, time makes them grow stronger and have a stronger foothold in your life. And you might be able to put that off for years, decades even. But eventually, you will have to face that if you want to live a joyful life that allows you to come into your full potential as a person. That doesn't mean that you're broken. That doesn't mean that you are uh, inoperable or unlovable or anything like that. All that means is you're human. I've gone through shizzle. You've gone through shizzle. Mm -hmm. So you need to realize that everyone is fighting a battle. Most of them are silent. But that's why we're doing this is to let you know that. So if you feel like these types of characteristics, if you feel like you have an eating disorder, yes, what you said, check out the diagnostic criteria. The only one that can diagnose that is a qualified professional. So definitely seek a qualified professional. Do not try to handle this yourself. I'm a certified nutrition consultant. If I see that in my clients, I immediately refer. Don't go for a Instagram glam coach. Don't Google it and try to fix it on your own or whatever you want to call it. You need to see a qualified professional because a lot of times this is rooted in deeper levels of your past, okay? And this is something that I really want to drive home. And and I'm not going to just sugarcoat this. Like This needs to be addressed for you. You deserve to live a life feeling empowered, not feeling ashamed. Just because you have something that's going on, it just means that you're human. It does not mean any, that you're less of anyone else. It does not mean that, that you're flawed. We're human. We all go through these things. So I really want to drive this point home that if you're feeling like these things are resonating with you or the raising red flags, please talk to someone. And that's the next point I want to dive into. So we talked about the stigma. We talked about it, how, to, how to kind of figure out you know, I, I think I might be in this area. What should I do? We talked about if you have a friend or a family member that you suspect how to approach that. And we talked about addressing this. So let's say that you've done those things and you realize that it's time to act on it. Where do you go? What do you do? Who do you talk to? Can you share some resources for people listening or watching for how to take the next step after they have that awareness piece 
and they're ready to act on it. Absolutely. Um, there's two organizations that I think are, are, have some really great programs that are a good starting step. And it's not like I'm checking into inpatient therapy. Um, it's very, want to meet you where you're at. Um, you can talk to peers, which is incredibly helpful. You can talk to somebody who's been through what you, you're going through right now. And the first is um, NIDA, is the National Eating Disorder Association, which is nationaleatingdisorders.org. And if you go on their website, you can take a quiz um, about, is my eating disordered? Do I have some of these tendencies? And they will give you a score at the end. They also have a live chat and they have a 1-800 number that you can call at any time and they will help hook you up with resources in your area. And that can be anything from an eating disorder trained dietitian to a therapist, to a physician, to treatment facilities, to um, helping you find out if your insurance covers some of these things. So um, NIDA is a great organization. The second one is one very near and dear to my heart. It's called Project Heal. Um, they are theprojectheal.org. This was a, a nonprofit national that was started by two young women who realized how expensive inpatient treatment was, and there just isn't coverage for it. So they actually provide scholarships for people to get inpatient psychiatric eating disorder medical care, which is fantastic. But they've expanded, and now I am... Um, I'm proud to say that I am a trained peer mentor for Project Heal. Um, so I went through a 10-week pretty intensive training over the summer with about 40 other mentors. And we are hooked up with mentees nationwide who we meet with once a week to help them through their process. Because really, talking to someone who's been in the shoes you're in right now, it's a great way to not feel alone and to know that what I'm going through is normal and it's okay and it's just part of the process. So those are two um, organizations who do a fantastic job and it's passive. You can just go on a website and meet yourself where you're at. And then from there, you can move forward. You know, eating disorders are about control. So when you feel out of control, like pharmacy school, like being a new graduate or anything else in life, you're just so desperate to grasp control of anything. If you have a tendency, food and body are very easy ways to go. But if you're struggling with if I should take a step to heal or not, taking control by going to one of these two websites and starting the process of recovery to take back your life, that's a much, much, much better place to be for your head and your overall health. Absolutely. And I want to address two things. So one thing that I like to do whenever we're talking about things that people deal with that are difficult is I like to, a lot of people have this voice in their head that is the limiting belief or yeah. the antagonist. So we're talking about facts, we're talking about resources. And I like to think, you know, if I'm listening to this and I'm facing this, what are the things that are going to kick back to what you're saying? And there's two things that come to mind that I think the listeners will really resonate with. The first is, yes, this sounds great, but I'm scared. I don't want to be labeled like having this issue. I don't want to be seen as having a problem. I don't want to feel like I have this, this stigma on me. So if that's your limiting belief that's holding you back from taking action, you need to know a couple things. Uh, a lot of these resources are anonymous. Absolutely. So you can reach out and you can do this anonymously. You can get the resources. You can talk to a qualified professional. Totally fine. The other you guys will totally resonate with because what are you taught in pharmacy school and what is the number one rule that you can never, ever break as a pharmacist? HIPAA. 
guess what? You are protected by HIPAA. So if you're nervous about talking to a qualified professional, HIPAA covers you. You don't have to worry about it getting out or you know someone talking about it or whatever. You are protected. So there's two things to fight back that inner voice in your head. If you, have, if you hear this and you want to take action, but you're scared to, it's okay to be scared. But I want that little voice to hear these two facts. There's anonymous resources. And if you do take that step, which is amazing, and congratulations if you're ready to do that, you're covered by HIPAA. With so much emphasis given to the necessary educational requirements demanded in pharmacy school, it's critical now more than ever to address the biggest complaint new grad pharmacists express, that they were never taught how to be pharmacists. Focusing on transitions from pharmacy school to a licensed pharmacist that will make or break your career, strategies for how you can grow your influence, and how self-care influences your outcomes, I have teamed up with fellow pharmacist Dr. Edwin Adams, and with our combined professional experience of over 30 years in pharmacy, we have created a webinar to help you script your dream career. What we have learned, we are now ready to share with you in this webinar. There is no fee to join, so take action right now to build your brand, increase your influence, and dispense your full potential. Click the link in the show notes to sign up and register. Now, the second point is really focused on you know, what to do is when you're at the spot and, and, and you're just kind of like, well, that sounds good, but da-da-da-da-da. So the reason that most people don't act other than fear is very common, actually, in pharmacists and pharmacy students. And this is something that I have found to be true. Most people in the pharmacy profession are introverts, meaning that while they know the stuff, they are whether it's fear or just not in their nature, reaching out. That's a big step. Mm-hmm. True talk. It's a big step to reach out to a total stranger about something that's you know so vulnerable and it's been making you feel shame or making you feel just these unempowering emotions. To reach out to someone, that, that takes a lot. And that's not something to be ignored. Like That's a big step. And you should be really proud about that. But what I would like to do right now is... In, in the show notes, all these resources that, that uh, Katie talked about are going to be in the show notes, the links, the phone numbers, everything. Katie would love to talk to you, to connect with you, because I know that she, she said the best way to approach this is through love. She's a very loving person. She, I mean, she's talking about this. Like, come on. That's real talk. That's real talk evidence, okay? But there are people, I guarantee, that are listening to this, watching this, that would love to reach out to you. But because they're introverted or because they're fearful, they don't want to do it. So what I'm going to do right now is speak to that voice, the introvert voice of, you know, I'm just introverted. It's not in my nature. You know, I'll see what happens or if it comes to pass. So what I'd like to do is if someone's listening to this and it really caught their attention and they feel and they resonate and they agree with a lot of what we talked about, they know that they inherently have something going on and they want to seek a professional. But before that, because they feel that's a big step, they'd like to talk to you about your journey. But they're not going to reach out because that's not in their nature. They're not there yet. They're not comfortable. Mm -hmm. I would like to allow you to talk to that person. 
So what I would gonna, what I'm going to ask you to do is, let's say that there's a person that I just described. They resonate with everything. They they know they need to get help. They would like to reach out to you and ask you about it, but they just they they aren't going to do it because they're scared, they're introverted, whatever. So what I'd like you to do is, if you're if you're okay with it, what would you say to someone who's listening to this and they've just been nodding their head the whole time and they're just like on the edge of their seat and maybe they're even crying because they know that this is exactly what they've been dealing with for years Mm -hmm. and they want help. They know they need help, but they're too scared. They feel like they don't have time. They feel like it would just crush them and their friends would look at them different. Their family would look at them different. They would never be looked at the same and they don't want to do it. What would you say to that person who feels that way, but is not going to take action because of either fear or being introverted? Well, I'm an introvert. And I lived for a lot of years in fear. So I totally understand this. What I would say is you're not alone. You're not alone. And you're not broken. You have a mental health disorder. And that's just what it is. It's a diagnosis. It's not any different than hypertension or heart failure. You have something. And what do we do as healthcare people? We treat it. So we're not alone. You know, you're not, you haven't failed. You're not broken. You just have to how you have something that needs treatment. And the only way that you can get treatment is by opening up and sharing. And the work is hard, but it's not as hard as what you've been doing to stay in this disorder. And no one changes unless where they are is more uncomfortable than where they're going. And I can promise you where you're going life comes back. You know, you may be white knuckling every moment of every day, every bite, every meal, every motion that you go through, but life comes back. The only thing is you have to let it. So do something today that you'll be proud of tomorrow and reach out. And that's really, that's really the the biggest message with this. So when you first reached out and started your process of healing, Mm -hmm. let's imagine that you did not take that step. And let's go back to that day where you did not ask for help, Mm -hmm. that you did not make that call, that you did not look online at these resources. Yeah. If you had not done that and you were in this and you were still not taking action years ago, Mm -hmm. where would you be right now? Uh, It's hard to say. Um, You know, your brain doesn't work good when it's not fueled. You know, when you're not rested, when you don't have food and nutrients. So I would be sick. I would be really, really sick. I probably would have been in and out of inpatient treatment. Um, I may have had um, an event because I'm not 20 with this disorder. You know, I really succumbed when I was 35. So um, I probably would have had multiple injuries from the gym more than I had, maybe some very devastating. I probably still would not be menstruating, which would have caused me to be osteopenic and a lot of other things that leads to more broken bones. I would be a shell of who I am physically and emotionally. I wouldn't have anyone. I would have driven everybody away. I would be just miserable. I would just be going through the motions of life. Um, My world would have been very, 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 very small. And it wouldn't have been living. It would have just been getting up going to bed, getting up and going to bed. Um, it drives people away. 
this disorder because it becomes all consuming in your life. And I almost lost family members because they were almost done with me. So if you don't recover, not only will your physical health really, really take a toll, things like your cardiac health, electrolyte disturbances, the risk of suicide is very, very high, comorbid, you know, um, and other mental health disorders, anxiety, depression, et cetera. Um, but you will lose everybody. And that's kind of this, and in the process of losing yourself. And that's really the saddest part is if I hadn't reached out, I would have no one and I'd be um, com- in complete control of all of my food. I would know every single calorie, but that would be the entire breadth of my existence. And that's just shallow and sad. And I was very, very sad. When I look at pictures back from that time, she looks like someone else. I don't even recognize her. And um, she's ripped and she's got all these muscles and all these other things. She's, you know, very small, but she's everything about her was small. Her spirit, her laugh. You know, I laugh now. I sleep now. I, you know, dance and sing and do all these other things. None of that would have happened had I um, not been able to, you know, to be brave enough to recover. And I mentioned to Adam earlier, you know, I don't, I do things that are uncomfortable, but not unsafe. And that's why I'm sharing this today. Like, it's hard to talk about these things. This is the lowest part of my life, but I've never been so proud of something I've done. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a doctor, you know, I have all these letters after my name and I teach all these students and I have all this stuff. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's the most proud I've ever been of anything. And I'm not special. If I can do it, absolutely anybody can do it. If you can get through pharmacy school, you can do this. The the thing is, is you got to lean on that resilience that you know you have because it's more important than anything else you will ever, ever do in your life because you, you are worth it. I will disagree with one thing you said. I think you're pretty darn (laughs) special, my friend. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, And you touched on this and I want to just kind of paint this picture because you took action and you started your healing process. Tell us the person you are today because of the action you took. Hmm. Number one, I'm brave. Yes, you are. You know, I'm brave and I was scared for so long. I'm brave. Um, I take risks because I've been through worse, you know? So when, when you know what the worst case scenario is and you've already kicked its butt, like you're less scared to try new stuff. So besides, you know, he read my bio, besides the four jobs I have, you know, I recently up and moved to a brand new city to start to to work in a startup and I'm just throwing my hat in the ring. I'm a professor now. I sing in a band. I weightlift. I, you know, have this dog that I love. I have all this other stuff. I have this very full, full life that I couldn't have had. Um, unless I took that step. And I like this Katie. I like her a lot. Um, and she sleeps and she laughs and that's the most important part of it. So. And she's a badass. A little bit of a badass. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So that was extremely powerful. And I just want to really, again, acknowledge you and thank you for being such a strong, brave, badass of a woman, of a pharmacist, of a human. And you just emanate love and care because what you're talking about is so genuine and authentic. 
it's going to help so many people. And I, I just really am honored that you share this on this podcast because without a doubt, I, I know, I know this is going to help someone. And uh, if, if you listening to this uh, are, are touched by this, I really would echo what Katie's saying and, and you owe it to yourself. You are worth it. By asking for help, it actually makes you stronger. It doesn't make you less of a person. It doesn't make you uh, a bad pharmacist because you asked for help. It actually makes you stronger. It's going to give you so much empowerment. It's going to set you free from fear, from feeling like you have to control every little thing because that's not living. And when you do this, when you give this gift to yourself, you are going to live a life that you've only dreamed about. Sometimes we think, you know, oh, I'm not, I'm not meant for that, or I'm not good enough for that, or I don't deserve that. Yes, you do. Mm -hmm. And I really encourage you guys, if you're, if you're listening to this, if, if this resonates with you, please look at the links in the bio. I'm going to put everything that Katie mentioned in there, including the initiative that she's involved with. And uh, Dr. Katie, if someone would like to reach out to you, and they're going to overcome that uh, introvert barrier, <laughs> uh, where is the best place to reach you, to connect with you, or, or just to say thank you? Because I encourage you guys, because again, HIPAA, it's all, it's all legit. And uh, I, I'd really encourage you, if this resonated with you, please reach out to Katie and let her know because she's, she's one strong woman. And uh, it, it takes a lot to share this because this is real. This isn't some book you read or some article. This is someone's real life that they're opening up to you guys. And I, I just think it's phenomenal. So I've talked enough. Where can people connect with you? <laughs> Um, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. That's a good one. And every young pharmacist should be on LinkedIn and working it hard. So LinkedIn is a great way to find and connect with me. I know Adam will put it in the show notes. Um, also, Adam will put my email address in there and you can send me a note. That way it doesn't feel like it's any on any platform. It's just something private to me if you would like to do that as well. And I encourage you to do so, um, even just to say hi. So awesome. that's the best way. Wow. Well, T truly an honor. This was one of the deepest podcasts I've ever done. And I think it's the most important because uh, like we said, it's an issue that is extremely common in pharmacy, but unfortunately no one is talking about it in this depth. And uh, for you to do this and, and open your own story up, uh, I'm really grateful. And uh, I just want to say again, thank you for doing that because it's going to help a lot of people. So I uh, thank you again for being who you are and just being awesome. Well, thank you, Adam. And again, thanks for this opportunity. Um, these things hide in secrecy and by shining some light on them. Um, I think we can make a difference. So. Absolutely. Guys, this is Dr. Adam Martin of the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast signing off with the Dr. Katie Taylor. Go forth, be great, and dispense your full potential because you're worth it, you deserve it, and yes, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening through to the end of that episode. I hope you're going to share this all across social media. Let people know that you're subscribed to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. Let me know. Post it. Tell me how it's impacted your pharmacy career and life. I would love to see your thoughts. I can't wait for this amazing and passionate community we're creating of leaders in healthcare. You're now a part of the movement, a part of the family. Thank you for being here. I can't wait to share the next episode with you.